You're listening to Bird Means Business, episode 77. Hello there, and thank you for tuning into Bird Means Business podcast. I am your host, Bird Williams, and we have such a fun guest on today's show, the one and only Stephen Boyd Wallace. This guy, what can I say? I don't know anyone like him, and you're going to know exactly what I mean when you listen to this episode. I first met Steve at The League. That is the warehouse gym that my husband Terry and I own here in Houston. And Steve and his wife Allie would come and work out with us, and we've really been friends ever since. Even though they left us for the West Coast, which broke our hearts, we still love them. Allie has actually been on Bird Means Business Podcast before as well. So she was in episode 66, and she talks all about her entrepreneurial journey as an artist. And y'all, it is really such a great episode on so many levels. So you definitely want to make sure that you go back and check that one out. But back to Steve. I don't think he'd mind me promoting his wife's episode on his episode. So let me tell you about Steve. He is an actor and the host of Hardly Tomorrow, which is a podcast about mental health, entertainment, sports, politics, and more. He lives in Los Angeles, California with his wife, Allie, and their adorable dog, Finn. Now, given that May is Mental Health Awareness Month, I wanted to have Steve, a small business owner just like you and me, on the show to have a very candid conversation about his mental health journey and even how that looked when he had to navigate closing down one of his past businesses. My hope is that anyone else out there who may be going through something similar can know that they are not alone, can gain some tools to really help them navigate the process and ultimately just get inspired to keep moving forward. So let's dive in. Steve, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. It's good to see your face. It's good to see your face and to hear your voice. And I've already kind of introed how fun and wild you are and wild um, whoa okay yeah I just love your energy and I'm really excited to have you here so you love my energy I do absolutely okay that's a good word of affirmation because as someone who's constantly depressed I definitely appreciate that (laughs) you know and it's interesting you say that because it's shocking to me honestly But then I get it too, given what I've gone through when I experienced postpartum anxiety and didn't even really know to call it that. And didn't, I know I've seemed very functioning to a lot of people, except for my husband, who was like, we should definitely go see someone. But I say all that to say, yo girl, you're sad. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, "Um, I'm the happiest person alive, but you know, we need to get real about what's going on with you. And he is, uh, it's very annoying to me. Yeah. It's a lot sometimes. But. How can one human be so damn optimistic? I mean, <laughs> and, honestly. And that being said, he too, last year, dealt with his own bout with. I know. I don't want to say that I'm glad he went through that because that <laughs> sounds evil. <laughs> 
People probably think I'm an asshole. I'm already like making fun of depression and glad that your husband was depressed. Like, no, you know what? When you've gone through it, it's like, then you have the right to be able to joke about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's real. It's real. What were you going to say? Oh, I just, I've earned the right to like joke about it. Yeah. At least I think. I tell myself that. I think so. And I think sometimes maybe it's okay to be lighthearted about it and When it was Terry, again, given that he's so positive, it was just a real, like, whoa. Even though I'd gone through it, it looked a lot different. It was anxiety and not so much depression. It's interesting. So it's something we got to talk about. And I'm glad that we're going to be talking about it today. Oh, it definitely helps. You have to be able to talk about it in the most just like point blank, real kind of way. The first thing, have you ever had to go, go to a psychiatrist or worked with one? Not a psychiatrist. Just a therapist? Yeah, just a therapist. Okay. Well, they're similar, of course, but like with a psychiatrist, I meet with mine not nearly as regularly. I have a hard time speaking. So (laughs) when I stutter and when I struggle with words, I had speech impediments for like six years growing up and they still come out to haunt me. So why the hell did I get into doing a podcast and want to act when I can't talk very well? I don't know. It's like the King's speech, but in real life. So anyways, psychiatrist. One of the first things they'll ask you, literally like one of the first questions is, are you having suicidal thoughts? Like, are you struggling with... And they'll just ask you. They're not weird about it. They don't kind of come in slowly. It's like, okay, are you struggling with suicide? You know, it's like, no, you have to just ask it and be able to talk about it point blank because it could save your life. Because the answer is probably yes. And if you had those thoughts last week or last night or whatever it was, you need somebody to pull that out of you and then talk about it in a way that strips and takes the fear away instead of it being this dark, hidden thing in the back of just your mind. You need to let somebody else in there to maybe help reveal the lies or the truth that's there too. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's interesting that like when you go and they're just like, hey, did you think about killing yourself yesterday? And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's weird and it's hard and it's scary and it's kind of sad, but it is the most helpful. Yeah. When in your journey did you get to a place or I guess when was the first time that was ever asked of you? Was it in a session like that or, you know, when did you get to a place where you could kind of put words to it? And that's just for anyone who's listening who might be like, I'm in that place and I have no one to talk to about it. I don't know how to navigate this. I don't know how to even Mm -hmm. grapple with my own thoughts around it. How did that Mm -hmm. look to you? I have struggled with mental health issues or mental illness for honestly, as long as I can remember it. And looking back to, it's weird to be almost like past diagnosed. You tell people, things that you talked with your therapist or doctor about things or the way you were growing up or things that happened in your childhood or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, I was already there or I was already struggling with something. I just hadn't been diagnosed or hadn't been working with people or I didn't have a mental health team, whatever it was. Wait, what did you ask me? Oh, I was just asking kind of how, well, well, given that you've always experienced it kind of. Oh, when was the first time somebody asked me about suicide? That's yeah, what you're that saying, you right? spoke, to, spoke to it even. <clears throat> the first time anyone ever asked me that was a psychiatrist in high school. And I think I lied to them. I don't think I told them yes to the suicide question 
even though I probably should have. And I think part of that, especially going back, is because of my very Christian upbringing in that day and age, even just, how old am I? 32. So that would have been like 15 some odd years ago. That was a no-no. Right. You don't need pills. You're not praying enough. You're not reading the Bible enough. Something's wrong with your commitment to God, right? It's not, oh, hmm, okay, so God created this person who then grew up to be a doctor, who then helped create this medicine that can actually help save your life. That's not the answer. The answer is just you need to have more faith, you know? Because he can literally move mountains. So the Rocky Mountains could go from North America over to Australia if you just believed. And so, yeah, I was ashamed. And there was so much guilt and baggage there because I was like, oh, I can't say that I thought about killing myself in high school because that means I'm not a real Christian, you know, or that means I don't actually believe in God, or that means because the ultra conservative side of things is that suicide means you're going to hell because it's sin or it's selfish, like all these things. And they're all just lies. They're all just people who don't, or stories who don't know what it's actually like. They either haven't dealt with it themselves. They don't know someone who's dealt with it. They just literally don't know enough of the facts about mental health and mental illness. And so there's just so many stigmas and misconceptions. We've come a long way from you and I growing up, you know, like there's been a ton of progress, which is great. There's still a long way to go though. Mm -hmm. And so we keep fighting. So what was that process like for you then of when did you feel, was it in your adult life where you begin to feel like, okay, I can go and get help and kind of have that mental health team and all that? I mean, in high school, I got set up with a Christian counselor. And the main reason for that was because my family had just blew up. And it was like, I clearly needed help for that. And that was okay. That like kind of helped. But I wouldn't say I ever had like a team, so to speak, that you just described until now, until the last couple of years when I have like a consistent therapist and a consistent psychiatrist who also talk together. They talk behind my back, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so my therapist will like tell uh, the psychiatrist just in a nutshell, like how I'm actually doing and give her key information to help because it's all in an effort to help also set me up with the right medication, right? Because there's so many different ones out there and it can take a long time to figure out the one that you need. That's honestly the most daunting and hardest part about getting help is if you need, not everyone needs medication. Some people do, some people don't. But if you do, starting that path is extremely hard because it can take months, if not a years, literally to find the right cocktail, if you will, for your brain, your person. That's a thing that people say, right? On your person? Yes. <laughs> That's something Dwight True would say, right? Your person. My favorite office character. Oh, yeah, that's right. On your podcast. Let's talk about your podcast real quick. Harley Tomorrow. You want to? Hear that, okay. You know, share about that because I love how candid it is. I love how you show up there. And I'm sure anyone listening to this episode will, will catch that and might want more of that. So tell me a little bit about Harley Tomorrow. So Hardly Tomorrow, the name came to me at this point, probably a little over a year ago, 
Yeah. I was journaling one one morning or week. I was journaling. I was in my own thoughts, right? And I had been in a very dark place at the time, struggling with both depression and anxiety. Maybe you've heard the same, but depression can sometimes be past focused and anxiety can be future focused. And what you want to be is present right there in the current moment in time, right? And those two things pull and tug you backwards, forwards, and it's terrible, especially when they're happening at the same time because there's no balance. And so hardly tomorrow, I was just like writing and I was like, it's hardly tomorrow. Like, I don't need to worry about the future. I don't need to worry about what happened in the past. All I have is today. I'm here. I have people who love me. I have people who I love back. I'm okay right now. Like, I don't, that's it. And then it was just like stuck in my brain, right? Like it was, it's hardly tomorrow. It's hardly tomorrow. I was like, okay, what is that phrase? Is it just for me? Is it helpful just for me? Do I need to get a tattoo? Like what, like what is, <laughs> what is it, you know? And I've wanted to have a podcast for probably years. I just didn't know what the right, I just didn't know how to make it mine and how to make it different. Or if the world even needed another podcast from like a straight white guy, which they probably don't. And, uh, you know, and so I hadn't ever done anything and just the idea wasn't fully formed in my head. Right. And then the more I sat and thought on this, like it started to make more sense to me that that's what this was supposed to be, or, or at least how it was supposed to start, like a place for being in the present moment with somebody else, a place for healing, for learning, for unlearning, to laugh, to feel, whatever it might be. And then, of course, like I'm someone who I'm very into entertainment. I love sports and politics and business, like all types of things. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want to just have, I mean, you're way smarter than me. And that's why you made a niche podcast or a focused podcast that's just about business. Mine is all over the place. So I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, it, you know, mental health, I've got some, what do you call them, pillars, themes? I've got some main pillars, but yeah. then uh, we kind of bounce around. But really, it started to make more sense to me that this this was it. This was the podcast idea. And it could be a place for other people to share and tell their stories. And like you said, to be hopefully vulnerable. And, and that, that could be something that helps others. I also... I love products and I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I've had product businesses in the past and I also loved the potential for products with hardly tomorrow, like down the road or whatever. And then using strictly business speaking, my audience to then sell them products. And I thought hardly tomorrow had just a lot of potential there for, for stuff. So I thought it worked that way too. I love it. I want to make sure those listening know I'll add a link in the show notes to the Hardly Tomorrow podcast. It is. Oh, yeah. It's easy. Just hardlytomorrow.com or at hardlytomorrow on Instagram. Yes. You can find it there. Or Hardly Tomorrow on Spotify, Mm -hmm. Apple. Yes. It's so good. And if you want that conversation, with so much fun and humor and different perspectives. It's a lot of fun. I've maybe been on it before. Yeah, I was going to say, you should just send people to episode three, right? That was yours. Yeah, yeah. I'll link the episode, <laughs> our episode two. I think I made me give 
God a na- a female name. Pretty sure that's that happened. Oh yeah, yes, Christiana, right? Christiana. And I, I mean, that was pretty. Yeah. That was pretty clutch on your feet, Christiana. Well, if you want to hear that full story, you definitely got to go check it out. But did you read that book, The Shack? I know what you're talking about. It was when we were in high school, the big book, but I don't think I ever read it. No. Well, And then it got made into a movie maybe like six years ago or something, five or six years ago. But remember how controversial that is because it was like in the book, God is a woman and the Trinity, the Holy Spirit was, I think, an Asian woman. Oh, really? God was a black woman. And then Jesus was, Jesus was still a dude. I think he was like a, white hipster so you know americans could still somewhat buy into it because jesus is clearly God. a white state farm agent you know right and brad right <laughs> i love it no i want to talk though about that product-based business and really just your entrepreneurial story so here you are today with hardly tomorrow podcast and you have plans for it in the future in terms of having more products, but kind of talk about your first business. Was that Contigo your first business? I mean, you want me to go back to mowing lawns in high school? Like how far back do you want to go? I mean, just a general, the general rub, but I would really love to talk about um, Contigo specifically because it was a business that you had to close. And I know that a lot of entrepreneurs. Wow. Thanks for bringing up my failures, Bird. Well, well, this is the angle though. It's like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs wonder about that, what that looks like or entrepreneurs to be, you know, have that as what if. And so to kind of hear your perspective, I think could be so helpful. Don't you think? Oh, a hundred percent. I was just <laughs> messing with you. I also think it's funny. Where are you on this whole boat of like, I didn't fail. I learned. I didn't fail. I learned. <laughs> There's no failing. There's just learning. That's probably Terry, right? Because he's so positive. But also, we have to be honest with ourselves in order to grow and learn. If I don't say that business failed, then I'm lying to myself. Technically, it failed. I did learn. Both things can be true. But we have to stop pretending some things don't work and some things do. That's just the truth, you know? Steve, I could not agree more. To answer your question, that's exactly what I was going to say is that both can be true. Yes, I have failed again and again. I remember a friend of mine, her mother, once we were hanging out and I said, oh yeah, I failed this or I, that was a failed whatever. And she looked at me like, you have not failed. And she was so upset. And I remember thinking, gosh, if I could never fail, then I mean, that's a huge issue. We have to be able to fail and move and learn from it and move on. There is no learning if you can't even first say that you failed, right? And the problem is people think that by saying you failed, that you're calling yourself or somebody else a failure. That's different. That's not what you're saying. You're not a failure because something failed. The thing that didn't work may be a failure. That business is a failure, but that's not you. You know, it's not you, it's not your identity, it's not all that matters. So I just think that like, yeah, if we're going to nitpick the words, it is what it is. But I would much prefer to say that something did fail and just call a spade a spade than try and act like something didn't happen. Anyways, should I talk about that thing? Well, I want to say this too, like there's something to what you do with the failure. So if your business had failed and you said, I'm never going to launch another business, I'm done, I'm out, peace and gave up, then that's, in my opinion, much more of a failure than you saying, 
what can I pull from that experience? How can I do things different with this next product business, right? Going back to the whole learning concept. So it's kind of like, what do you do with the failure? Well, it's also literally impossible, right? If you never failed, then those businesses are still existing, doing something somewhere. Right. They didn't end. That's not true. Right, right. They're not doing it anymore. I'm 1,000%. Also, you know, it's kind of helpful. I'm assuming you like Shark Tank, right? Just because... Okay. So Mr. Wonderful loves to say like, it's time to take this puppy out to the shed and shoot it. I mean, it's pretty graphic, right? But it's like old yeller style. So you've got a dog with rabies and sometimes you do. Sometimes your business is just not working. It's just not working. And knowing when to stop is just as important as knowing when to go. I think like you learn a lot about that. The shoe dog, the Nike founder's book. He talks in that book a lot about knowing when he had to say no to certain things and let go of things was just as important in his and in the growth of Nike as it was as starting it. And I just thought that was so huge and so key because the moment you can actually let go of something is the moment that you can maybe allow something else to grow or be born because it's hard to do more than one thing at one time, at least well. Yes. Um, but back to my story. So let's get to Contigo. But before that, I mowed lawns in high school. Boom, done. Nice. Then let's skip ahead. So my first thing out of college, I was a summer camp director. And I know, God, so typical. <laughs> Texas high school Christian. That's just what happened. It's just what happened, you know? So anyways, I created this event that was basically like a hybrid concert conference thing all rolled into one night, like a band would play for an hour, then a speaker would come up. And the entire point of it was to help raise money for kids who couldn't afford to go to college. And we would like send them for free on scholarships. So like I sold tickets, I sold merch and all that. And that was like my first thing at, that wasn't a business obviously, but it was just my first kind of taste at businessy stuff and creating something. And I was like, Ooh, I like this. And I was good at this and it was fun. And that was like my first little taste. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't like a teeny weensy bit influenced by like the Blake Mikowskis of the world, which is just looking back. I'm like, damn it. I I hate that that's true, but it is true. The Tom's guy, but like what white hipster from Texas who was a little bit interested in business and also wanted to do some good, like wasn't idolizing Blake Mikowski. Like everybody was. Now I think that's all wrong, flash forwarding and the things I've learned. Not idolizing him specifically, but Tom's, of course, the mission was what moved the product, right? It was all about helping give shoes to kids in need, right? And they would like airdrop these cheap ass Tom shoes in Africa or something. So that was kind of, Before Contigo, I was doing something similar, but the like mission was moving the product. Mm -hmm. And I think that's all wrong and backwards now, personally. I think the product has to be the mission in and of itself. So we've all seen it, right? There's a million different, if we're talking just apparel specifically too, there's a million different t-shirt brands on Instagram that you can go find right now that have shit designs They're cheap t-shirts, but they're saying they're doing good for some nonprofit or whatever in the world. I hate that. I hate that so much. What matters more? You selling a cheap ass bad 
product, but then giving some teensy little percentage away to a nonprofit? Or are you actually caring enough about the product you're making itself? Maybe it's a sustainability factor in the way you're actually making the products. Maybe it's the people you're employing who are making the products and you're working with, I don't know, an American manufacturer and you're giving them fair wages or I have a friend who is helping employ women on Skid Row here in Los Angeles out of homelessness. So that is, to me, far more important than having some random kind of side mission. And then you just sell stuff, random stuff to try and make money for that side mission. I think that it has to be woven into the same thing. And sometimes that line is a little blurry, but it's kind of like, what's the saying about porn? It's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. (laughs) I heard that saying, but I can see how that makes sense. Yeah, you you know it when you see it, right? Like, you know it when you see it. That's how I feel like on Instagram. When you come across this random small company that's just telling you they're doing X, Y, and Z good things, but then you look at their stuff and you're like, but what is this actual product? Like, is it even good or, or whatever? But that's what I was kind of doing, the first thing. And I quick and after like months of that, I rebranded and turned that clothing and apparel brand into Contigo and then was focused on just making good things. And that my mission kind of changed. And I was working with small batch manufacturers. I knew the factories. I knew the people who were making my clothes or my candles or my leather goods. So that's where it changed. But Contigo's honestly just, it was a little bit too little too late. A rebrand is a very risky and hard thing to do. Yeah. Because the bulk of my people already knew that business as one thing. And if they really liked that one thing, it can be people are resistant to change. They just are. Especially within business, like if Apple rebranded as Orange, Next month, they might lose half their customers to Samsung, you know, just because. That was a weird example, but now I'm just trying to picture orange. I kind of love some of the branding stuff you can do with that. Yeah, It's one of my favorite colors. It was a little bit too little too late. We One of the main reasons it failed, honestly, I just wasn't doing... I had a very loyal, small customer base but I wasn't growing near fast enough. And it just got to almost the two-year point. I think that that's enough time to know if something's going to actually work or catch on. It might might actually be too long to a degree. And for me, that was kind of like, it was getting to the point of, okay, like I need to know when to say no or let go of this because it's just not working. And sometimes things just don't work. And there's not even always an answer. Because a lot of what I was doing is like, it doesn't make sense that this isn't working or growing quicker is how I felt about it. And we moved from Texas to Los Angeles. And in Texas, we had a garage (laughs) because real estate's so much cheaper. So we were renting a home. We had a garage. All my inventory was in our garage. I could do it all from my home to save money. I didn't need fulfillment partner, whatever. Then moving out to Los Angeles, I was going to outsource the fulfillment side of things. So I sent literally all of my products to this place that was going to do the fulfillment, right? Like send the orders, manage the returns, all of that. 
which is awesome because it was going to free up so much of my time, they lost 85% of my inventory. Did you not know this part? I did not know this part. So we're literally, it showed up at their warehouse and then got lost. Wow. It just, they just literally lost it somehow. I have no idea how that happens either, but that's what happened. So we're, Allie and I are in the midst of the hardest, most stressful thing. <laughs> One of the hardest, most stressful things you can do, which is move across the country, yeah. you know, and leave all your friends and family. And especially going from like a cheap state to a really expensive, everything about it was just hard. And on top of that, we're towing a car. Right. And I'm getting emails that like, they don't have my stuff. And so I'm like panicking. I'm like, I was in the middle of trying to launch this new line. And then I had to delay that new collection by like a month and a half. They ended up finding, I don't know, maybe 10% of that line. And then long story short, that issue didn't a hundred percent kill the business, but it like 95% killed it because that was just too much money I lost than losing my stuff. I couldn't, I didn't have the money to just make it all again. And you can't get that time back, right? Like I had just, I'd spent probably like a month building hype and advertising for this new collection. And then I had to delay it a month and then most of it was gone anyways. And for a small business, that was just kind of like, you know, what's the saying? The the fork in the steak. That's definitely not the saying. (laughs) (laughs) that's not it. I don't know what it is, but it was like the end times. And I had to make the hard decision. Like, am I going to really put more of my own money into this thing that wasn't already working? Because I had, Allie and I had talked about it and it was like, okay, this is kind of my last ditch effort. This collection is going to go really well and springboard me into new growth. And we're going to be off and running or not. And then it's like, I've got my answer. And then all that happened. And I was like, oh, I've got my answer. (laughs) So it was just time. It was time. It felt, I knew it. I had been feeling it for probably six months that it was time and not working. And then I couldn't have gotten a more clear answer that I wasn't supposed to be doing that anymore for myself. And so, yeah, closed it up. You know, the worst part about closing that was the minute I announced it's ending and like we're having a closeout sale. If you want something, buy it now, or I'm literally just going to take it to Goodwill in a month or whatever I did. That last month, I did more revenue than I had done in the previous like 14 months. What? That was the hardest, honestly, saddest. That was. I think I'm not exactly sure, but people love to support you when like, It was just so weird. It's like, nothing's changed. I've been speaking to these same people like, hey, I'm a small business, support it, whatever, before you knew it was going to close. And then they have all these people come out of the woodwork. I mean, I'm glad because it allowed me to pay off a mini loan and it made the financial impact of it like not really a thing. Whereas had that month gone terribly, I would have honestly, I would have lost way more money on it. Yeah. That was the hard part. I was like, why are you supporting me now? I just said this thing's ending. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm glad. Yes, give me your money. So this uh, right. can be a little bit easier to swallow. But also like, where were you last month? Yeah. I wonder if there's something to the urgency, right? Because you said, 100%. I wrote down, you had a loyal, a small, but loyal customer base. These people who loved you, but it's like, 
maybe I'll get a candle. Maybe I won't. But whenever you're like, oh, it's shutting down. Oh, I'm going to get, I know we got I know. stuff whenever you announce that too. So that's interesting just in terms of how do we create urgency? You know what would be a brilliant idea? You and I should just create one business that people don't know about, but really what it is, is just then we create many fake brands that are going out of business every other month. We could probably make bank. People love to support a business that's dying. You may have heard of this, and I heard of it during the year 2020 during the pandemic. I can't remember the company, but they sell something and I'm going to be so mad. I'm going to, I'll figure it out later, but it's just limited supply, limited inventory. Yeah. And yeah. so every time they do a collection or a release, it's like, that's it. And they sell out within hours or something. Oh, I mean, a lot of hype beastie apparel brands do that, you know? Okay, yeah. I'm hoping once I have more to work with and a bigger audience, I'm actually hoping to do that strategy with Hardly Tomorrow products. I'm going to make a small collection of stuff. And when we run out, we run it. Like, I'm not just going to keep restocking the same product. Okay. So I think that's kind of what you're talking about. I think that is a really smart, at least speaking in terms of apparel and accessories. I think that's a really smart business model that may not work or may not even make sense for everything, you know, like a mattress company or something. <laughs> I think it works really well with like shirts, hats, accessories, that sort of thing. You've called me or talked about entrepreneur a lot. It's funny. I don't, I guess I kind of am. I think of myself more entrepreneurial than like an actual entrepreneur. I don't even know if there's a difference or makes sense, but you get what I'm saying? <laughs> No, it's funny. I've heard that before. I've heard someone say, I don't identify as an entrepreneur, but for them, it was a little bit different. It was more like limiting mindsets. And I've had this nine to five and I'm just, I, I can't think of, of myself outside of being an employee, but I have never heard, I do consider myself entrepreneurial, but not as an entrepreneur. Well, let's be honest. Social media ruined entrepreneurs. Because now anyone can be an entrepreneur and it's like hashtag entrepreneur and it's a selfie of you in front of a Ferrari and you don't even own the fucking car. There are those douchebag entrepreneurs all over Instagram. Can I cuss on this or are you going to beat me out? Oh, I literally have a note that says, make sure I put the swearing button on the thing because <laughs> I don't normally cuss. And so I have, don't you have to like notify them that <laughs> we're good, we're good. Explicit. I guess I'm more of an entrepreneur than... All those chicks out there who started their own business by selling rodent and fields. <laughs> that kills me every time. Please tell me, please tell me that kills you too. Like, no, you didn't start a business. You're a sales rep for this skincare brand. I'm sorry. It kills me every time. It's so annoying and funny to me all at the same time. That's a very interesting topic. And I agree that, you know, what I call entrepreneur is different from what some other people call entrepreneur, right? The hashtag CEO, hashtag boss, like it's cool. But like when you think of it that way, it's like, I don't know. I feel like we're kind of on different. We're thinking about Don't call yourself a CEO until you have at least nine employees. Right. I'm talking a double digit 10 person business. Sure. If you're the 10th, then call yourself a CEO. I don't care. Nobody cares. Right. right. Like, shut up. <laughs> Nobody cares. You're not the CEO of your own thing. Right. The bigger question is like, why? Why do you need that? Like, what is it? Because like, to your point, you're like, I want to sell quality products. 
I want to know the manufacturers. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes. I think people are buying too much into the fake it till you make it. They're trying to put off this aura of I'm running this big or successful company, which you might not be. Right. And that's okay. But it's also okay. People want to support you for where you are, you know, and follow your journey. And most of you, most of us, me include, like, I'm not a CEO. (laughs) Yeah, I have a business. And like, Allie and I are equal partners. If anything, she's the CEO, let's be honest. But you you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's a difference between like, (laughs) like, for example, on your operating agreement, I'm pretty sure you have to put some kind of title and, you know, whether you put CEO or CEO yeah. or... It just says partner. Whatever. Part, yours just say partner. Terry's yeah. really into the fun names, like, you know... Oh, he would be. Of, of he's he's chief like joy officer or something. Exactly. Which is cool. So, I mean, that's one thing. But then it's like, how do you actually operate? What do you actually... Yeah. Yeah. When I think of entrepreneurship, I'm definitely thinking of you're able to own the branding, you know, direct all the things, you know, not so much the sales reps kind of situation. But that's Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, okay. You have to actually file an LLC. You have to actually do, there has to be something there, you know, that's yours, that's your money is behind. Like, I don't know. It's just hilarious to me when people on Facebook or whatever say that. It gets me every time. I can see how that term entrepreneur can definitely be interesting. But I want to know when you did have to go through that process of closing Contigo and not even just through that process, but what afterward and in terms of launching Hardly Tomorrow and kind of, you know, mustering up the courage to do it again. and putting Oh, so hard. I imagine like there had to be some mindset shifts. Like talk to me about that. Because I'm sure there's someone out there who has had a failed business. I talked on your podcast about how my first business didn't even take flight. You know, it didn't even get off the ground before. Oh, yeah. Wait, what was it? You and your mom doing? A tea room. Yeah. A tea room. And I left my six-figure job in New York City, my favorite city in the world, to start. for the tea room. What was it called? It was called Ashley Janae's. And it's my first name and my sister's middle name. Hmm. And she ultimately was like, just kidding. I don't think I want to do it anymore. And I'm like, what? This was my whole plan. And I went into what I told you, what I think I know now it was like a mild depression. Didn't know it then, but basically slept all day. Just, it was awful. Oh Um, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. And in, so having the courage to be like, okay, doing this again with the lead. So anyway, back to your story. How did you? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really hard. I don't know if I have any exact answers or formula for how to get over it or start the next thing, if you will. But for me, it was just a slow burn. It was just having conversations with people I trust or like if after several months, you're still talking about the same damn idea, it's either time to actually shut up and start it or move on. So I think I kind of just reached that point, you know, with Hardly Tomorrow. It's been five or six months of me talking about this name, thinking about what it could be, knowing that it could start as a podcast and then maybe morph into more of a brand, like whatever it is. It was just like, I either need to shut the hell up about this because I'm going to start annoying Allie or do something with it. And I think it just kind of got to that point, you know, but I'm also very much a person who... I'm really bad at doing something half-ass, like for better or worse. 
I think that that's kind of like good and bad, blessing and a curse, because as you and I have talked about before, that can also lead to perfectionism, which is, I think, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because the main reason why it's, of course, terrible is that it can lead to inaction. Mm-hmm. But it can also lead to you creating the best possible thing for the resources and things that you have in the present moment. So that's why I think it's good and bad. But at the end of the day, you have to just be able to just start and learn as you go. And that's just kind of where I was with like the podcast. Yeah, I remember you sending us the audio file for the the musical intro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted your feedback. I remember loving it and literally saying... Whenever I redo my music, I want to know who you worked with because it's so perfect. Yeah. Shout out to my friend Abe. He's an amazing, mainly music producer, but artist himself. And he made the music for me. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about perfectionism. So it's like excellence on one hand and then inaction. I was actually telling myself this morning, actually, one of your biggest issues is that you overthink things. You know, it could be a social media caption. <laughs> I, I will have Terry look at it to read it. And he's like, it's great. But I'm just thinking of how could it be better? I could, I, I'll like beat it to death with how it could be better. And like, just send it. No one is thinking that hard about it, Ashley. No one is going to pick. Are you, are you a sleep on it person? Um, like with an idea or a decision, like, because for me, I definitely am. I'm like, I'm going to sleep on this and then make the decision tomorrow. The worst part about that advice is though, nobody tells you how many nights to sleep on it. <laughs> Are we talking a year? How long am I sleeping on this? Carrie is a sleep on it person. And I'm like, well, it's so it's funny because I'm saying over, I'm overthinking things and I don't sleep on it. But if I know, if I feel confident with like a decision, like with like, okay, should we do X, Y, and Z? I'm really good at kind of dissecting it and getting to an answer. It's more, I guess, with content, like copy and images, you know, that those uh, kinds of yeah. things. But I don't want to sleep on it because I'm like, we got to we gotta keep making moves, yeah. which is not always great, obviously. But Terry, I will ask him, how long are you sleeping on it? Because <laughs> like, yeah. he can sleep on it for a long time. I mean, copy and content specifically, especially for what you're doing, as long as you're just always providing value and speaking to your people's pain point, then it doesn't really matter. You know, yeah. as long as you're just doing those two things, yeah. it's going to be fine. Give or take a word here and there. Yeah. I have to keep telling myself. Solve people's problems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's on the <laughs> well, I love that. I love that you, you came out of it. I mean, it's a hard thing to come out of. You said you're like, I have this new idea and I've been talking about it for so long and I'm going to make it happen. And here we are. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, like everyone's situation is unique to them. That business failed. I had, you know this, like I'm also an actor or trying to be whatever, you know, God, I hate that. But there's no, there's just no better way to say it. I, you know, struggling actor, that's the terminology. And I guess that's true. The pandemic hit and Hollywood shut down. And especially for someone who wasn't, you know, for the top tier actors, like the pandemic didn't matter at all. Like they're, they're still getting and connected to the right people, like whatever, they're going to be fine. But for people who weren't very established in their career yet, it was just, oh shit, this is donezo and may never happen again Zo, you know? And so I hate that I just rhymed those two words. Um, I, it was good. <laughs> and so then after just the first several months, it, it was just, I had to have something else creative that I controlled because acting I couldn't control to a degree. Yes, I could make a movie on my iPhone in my apartment, but like 
okay, I don't want to do that every day. I needed something else, an outlet. And then this became the perfect thing for like uh, to make up the lack of work and time I was putting into acting that now was just gone. That's hardly tomorrow also kind of filled in there. So that was also part of the reason I just had to start it. But I'm assuming most of your people listening aren't actors or trying to be. I would imagine that's true. Yeah. But no, that's, that's a really interesting perspective because whether it's acting or a pandemic or Hollywood shutting down, there's always things that kind of propel us into, I've had so many guests on the show and I love having guests on because it helps bring perspective and it helps. I like to pull themes. Like I'm sure you've listened to how I built this podcast with Guy Raz. A couple of times. I love it. Probably not as much as you. I love listening to the different episodes because you start to pull things like, oh, wow, there's this same thing. Everyone struggles. Everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, then you realize I'm not alone. I'm not unique. My struggle isn't an issue. So one thing that I've had so many of my guests say is something happened that just catapulted me into whatever I'm doing now as an entrepreneur. And so I love that you brought that up too. Yeah. This was good. This was a lot of fun. I'm so glad this was. Oh, wait, are you ending it on me? You've, uh-huh. you've, yeah, you keep yours or under an hour. So you are, you're saying goodbye. That's fine. I, I am, but <laughs> this was so fun. And I think it was so different from any episode I've ever had, like just how it all flowed <laughs> and how fun it was and candid. And there was lots of cussing and that was all oh, sorry. so good. <laughs> so, so good. No, your story is, is powerful. I think it says a lot to your tenacity and drive and just heart to be where you are today. And I love you and your beautiful wife so much. Thank I shared you. I love you too. I shared in the intro how she was on the podcast and how you wouldn't mind me pubbing her her episode too. In this oh show. no, please do. Please buy her art. That's how we pay rent. Exactly. So this was fun. And I just really want to thank you for being on the show. And I want to ask how my listeners can connect with you. Obviously, we've talked about Harley tomorrow, but if you yeah. want to share any links, web pages. I mean, those are a good place to find me. If you want to follow me on Instagram too, it's just Stephen Boyd Wallace. So I guess you could start there. <laughs> Whoa. I'll make sure I link that in the show notes as well as all of the Hardly Tomorrow links. And again- Wait, are we not going to talk about cryptocurrency? We are not, but we can. Okay. We can add, we can add yeah. it if you really want to. Okay. Did you talk to Gary about this? No. Wait, are y'all in it? He's very into it. We are not oh. in a place- in a good in a place that we can like really do anything extra right now because you know there's like hold on hold on this is maybe me getting too personal but did y'all buy bitcoin like 10 years ago we did not okay how am i supposed to sleep at night knowing that if i had bought 100 bitcoin 10 years ago i could buy the texans no it's wild and i remember like terry went on a trip to mexico with a guy who's super into cryptocurrency and came back just like babe when we have X amount of money, we need to go and give it to this guy. And so, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, we missed out on that. So am I an entrepreneur if I bought some crypto? We're not. Oh, okay. We're not, but you are still loved. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love it. Well, Bird, this was really fun. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you, Steve. Is this how you end? Do you have like a like a sign out? Well, usually, <laughs> usually it's like you know, it just kind of naturally ends, and there's like a 
bing, which people are about to hear. (laughs) My friend Steve, that guy is always a good time and brings so much humor and fun to the spaces he's in. I just love him. You'll want to make sure that you check out Hardly Tomorrow podcast for you know, candid conversations like this about mental health. You will laugh, you will cry. It really is just so good. So you can follow Steve on Instagram at Stephen Boyd Wallace or at Hardly Tomorrow. And you can support his work and learn more at HardlyTomorrow.com. I'll be sure to link all of this in the show notes. Now, as one final update, Bird Means Business podcast is taking a summer break. So for the month of June, there won't be any new episodes, but I'll still be sharing weekly goods to those who are subscribed to my weekly emails. If you're not already in the email tribe, you'll want to subscribe at birdwilliams.com join so that you can stay in the loop and be the first to know what's next. As always, thank you so much for tuning into Bird Means Business Podcast, for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, and for following us on Spotify. Be sure that you tell every entrepreneur you know about this episode to really help normalize the mental health topic and share some laughs too. Alrighty, talk to y'all soon. 